right, welcome questers back to another episode with Success Quest. I'm your host today, Caleb Valle, and I'm so excited to introduce to you guys our special guest today. Um, he used to be a well-known NCAA men's college basketball coach, um, and as well, currently, he's the author of Rebound Forward. Here, I'll show you the book a little bit for those who are actually watching the video online. Um, but this man has, has seriously overcome some of life's, life's most difficult challenges. Um, so I, I'm really excited to hear from him, hear his perspective on life, and hopefully we can all learn a lot from him. But uh, here I introduce to you Randy Brown. Hey, thanks, Caleb. It's a pleasure to be here. We uh, had a really inspired uh, talk on the phone initially when you invited me to be a guest, and I've been looking forward to it ever since. No, that's awesome. We're, we're so excited to have you. Seriously, the honor is all ours. Um, but <laughs> questers, we really did have an amazing phone call. Um, honestly, I think we were talking for the whole entire 30 minutes, maybe a little bit even more, um, just because I feel like we vibe really well. Um, we have a really good understanding of kind of what life's all about. And I'm, I'm not even joking. Randy has been through it all. And Randy, if I can, I'm going to give you maybe two minutes. Just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So the questions can get sure. to know you. Well, I am, I'm very uh, grateful that my father was a sports writer because I didn't have to go to school to school to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. At a real young age, um, when I matched up to people's belt buckles, really, I mean, that's how small I was. (laughs) I I knew, and and literally running around basketball floors and and trying to emulate coaches and and really having high respect for them, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I fell in love with the game of basketball. I met Pistol Pete Maravich when I was 15 years old. Um, that sent me into orbit, um, wow. one of the greatest ever. Uh, but I was always around the sport. I was always around games, and I was always around coaches. And when I realized one day that you could actually do this as like, like, like life's work and get paid for it and stuff, yeah. like other people <laughs> had to go to work and, and, and actually get paid for it, I thought, what a great deal. I think I'm going to do this. <laughs> and and, it, and it, 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 has been, it has been a labor love. It's been unbelievable. Sports will do two things. It will grind you. A loss will grind you to a halt. A win will, will set your sails in the wind, and you feel like you can fly forever. But the other thing sports do, and the other thing basketball's done for me, is I would honestly think that there was a, the silver lining was it prepared me for things that were going to happen in my life that I didn't know were coming and I didn't know how to deal with. But sports has an unbelievable, uh, uh, it, it's an unbelievable template for learning how to outwork other people, to do things you never thought you could do, to overcome, to fight through adversity, to, yeah. to, fight through a loss, to handle the ego inflating um, uh, phenomenon that goes with winning and being really good. And it's a coach's job to keep everybody even keel. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is a tremendous, uh, and, and I asked uh, every employer I've ever come upon, I, I've said, hey, do, you, do you have athletes? Have you hired athletes? Um, was it a good move? And in almost every case, they say yes. We have hired them. It's great because they come to the they come to the work site knowing these lessons. And number two, no, I, I've never had the chance, but I want to. Yeah. And that right there will kind of tell you, yeah, you know, the the the, the seed that, that is there for all athletes and, and coaches, but not just you know, not just coaching. You can learn right. these things, but yeah. Um, 
I uh, yeah. So I've been dribbling the ball ever since. Wow, that's awesome. Sixty-two years. I love it. Years. And here we go, right into your podcast, dribbling the ball. I just, <laughs> I walk out on the court, I feel like I'm seven again. It's just amazing. That's fantastic, Randy. I love that. I love that you're so passionate about basketball. And in fact, right. like to kind of go off the whole, um, have you hired athlete kind of thing? I think it's important for people to realize that being an athlete can cut, like you can bring those skill sets over to a workplace to anywhere in your life. I mean, there's a, you learn mental fortitude. Um, you learn a type of endurance, you know, and it's all of that passes over. It can affect your entire life. You, you learn teamwork. I mean, that's a, that's a cliche you probably hear all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, all the time. You know, I, I've said this in, in a lot of my speaking, uh, I, I talk about, uh, I, I'll ask the crowd, I'll say, okay, in your job, and I know you all have stressful jobs, okay, that, that there's a lot of accountability and you just feel like, you, oh, it's just tough. It's just tough to do your job. I said, how many of you have stood there on any given day knowing millions and millions of dollars were in the balance for something you were about to do either successfully or unsuccessfully? Oh, by the way, there's, 14,000 live people watching you and there's a couple other million watching you on TV. Oh, and oh I forgot. Gosh. I forgot. You're only 18 years old. <laughs> okay. And you either make or miss this shot. So if you tell me that what you're about to do is just riveting you because it's so tough and there's so much pressure and there's so much I want you to think about these guys you see on TV and probably criticized for not being able to make those easy free throws. I go, <laughs> they do that as an amateur getting paid nothing. Yeah. They're not getting paid anything. So, so <laughs> just take that little picture right there. And, and, and that's what, that's what athletes can bring to the table. Um, wow. In, that's amazing. In, in an employment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you think about that. A lot of people take that. So, simply you know oh it's just a, a, a free throw shot you know but it's, it, it's yeah. so much more so much more goes behind that the pressure on their oh. shoulders unbelievable unbelievable that's crazy pressure. and yeah. then then they go back if they miss oh <laughs> that's the worst yeah that's horrible. Yeah. oh my goodness and anyways i, I just love so. it and actually if you guys can't tell already questers uh, our topic for today um randy kind of alluded to it already a little bit um is adversity um, and, and the reason we picked this topic, obviously, is because Randy has seen quite a bit of adversity in his life. Quite a bit. Um, if you, I want you to look, for those of you watching online, I mean, this book's pretty thick. <laughs> um, unfortunately, honestly. And there, there are lots of things that Randy has learned throughout his lifetime um, that I feel like we can really um, benefit from. So I, I guess I want to start off and we'll just dive straight into it, Randy. Mm -hmm. um, what does adversity mean to you? What does that look like to you? Adversity to me, at least early in my life, meant something that I didn't see coming that hurt like hell way beyond and way deeper than anything I could have imagined. Wow. And later on in my life, I guess you could take the I didn't see it coming stuff, although it, you know, as you get older, you no, know, you don't see it coming, but at least you know it's got the ability to be there yeah. and to be part of your life. W w when I talk to young people, I say that, um, you know, you have an experience because you're, you know, your short life, you haven't experienced a lot of things. You'll begin to experience it, okay? When you do, 
Okay. And that's my challenge of the book. That's my challenge of speaking to you, to young people. When you do take a step back and respond appropriately to what's happened, because it'll blow you away. And like I said, it'll hurt like hell. And, (laughs) and, um, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, Caleb to, to add a third part to that would be, and leaves you with a, an amazing opportunity to prepare for the rest of your life based on how you, how you come out of that adversity. Okay. I love that. I love it it can be good or bad. And we, we talked about that and this is where choice making, okay. Can define a life, uh, for me, it did um, not totally because I decided to rebound forward. But um, it, not everything is great through adversity, um, and, and a lot of the bookstore shelves will tell you that adversity is awesome. You know, welcome adversity. Well, yeah, if you can handle it <laughs> and do it properly, welcome it every day. I'll take a freight train every day, rolling down the rolling down the track, and uh uh-uh. uh now yeah. it's not like that. And, and that's been sort of my charge with the book is is when I do define adversity and we talk about what it is, I say it can be awesome if you handle it properly. If you don't handle it properly, it can be an absolute disaster. And I've yeah. proven that. Yeah, it can be. But so fortunately, easy. I'm on the podcast to speak to you about yeah. it. So that's all good, <laughs> Exactly. Right? No, it's all good now. I mean, look <laughs> at you. <laughs> as long as you're smiling now, because I, I was actually about to ask that question. I was going to say, is adversity just a purely negative experience. And oh, no. yeah, I love that you're kind of already answering this question for oh. me that you can take so much from it. Kind of speak to me a little bit about how adversity, you, you can allow it to become an opportunity. <laughs> okay, let's talk, about, let's talk about this game of basketball. <laughs> All right, turn the television on and watch any game. When there's a foul called, in our world today, which it, which makes me sick, but in our world today, you will almost always get a reaction by the player called for the foul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. Okay. Now, that, that turnover can be termed adversity. Okay? It's something negative that's going to hurt your team. It's, it's adverse, mm-hmm. right? And you watch how these players – okay, we're talking all about all the way third grade through the NBA, the greatest players in the world – how they respond to the official who, who made the call and their face turns sour that, that they're like, I didn't touch him. I didn't do it. I didn't what I didn't, you know, all kinds of mannerisms. You talk about taking a total lack of responsibility. Yeah. In, in, in a live forum in front of people. I mean, it's embarrassing because Refs, can, refs do not watch body language and say, you know what? I'm having a bad day. I didn't sleep much last night. And since you carried on like such a four-year-old, I think I'm going to switch that call. And it's not a foul. <laughs> now, if that were the case, I would understand why guys would maybe put a little bit of yeah, Hollywood it into it. There's no Hollywood needed. Just accept it. And, and you know what? This is a life deal. This is, and this is, this is part of adversity. When that adversity hits, whether it was warranted or not by you, you pay the cost and your team pays the cost for that, that decision that that ref made, that foul oh, yeah. was called, okay? And boy, if, if that's not a, a big part of what adversity is, you know, when, you know, w- when our children died, 
right? I, I didn't want it. I didn't want to accept it. I, I couldn't believe it. It wasn't warranted. Um, I try, try not to use the word fair, as you know from the book, because I, yes. I, I yes. don't think we were ever given that word to use. Um, but uh, it was so unthinkable that that I that we, you know I just didn't know what to do. Well, it, it, it's it's a little bit like a game, you know. We, it's yeah, sometimes it's unwarranted because it's just a terrible call. What yeah. do you do? Do you lay on the floor and cry <laughs> and carry on, or do you get up and say, "Okay, I'm in this game. I understand that in life, the uncontrollables are referees, taxes, weather. I mean, th- there there are a list of things that we can't control. Oh right? yeah." Oh yeah, so many. The great things. thing about what we can control is how we personalize anything that happens, and how we don't react in the moment, but step back and respond with maturity, or at least as much maturity as we have, and then move forward. Yep, rebound forward, forward. right? Yeah, yeah, love right. that. So, so that 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 was a really elongated. Uh, definition of adversity, but no, those I, I are think the three you hit parts. It perfectly, so. I think you hit it perfectly, and it goes really well with some of the quotes. So, in um, Randy's book, Rebound Forward, uh, there, he just has so many good little golden nuggets in there. Some quotes that I just loved, um, and you kind of alluded to talking about fair, which we'll get to eventually because I want to talk about that. I feel like people misunderstand why that word shouldn't even be used. Mm-hmm. You know, as as we use it today. Um, right. But there's this quote by Jim Ron that you posted in here. And it's in chapter two. It says, the same wind blows on us all, the winds of disaster, opportunity, and change. Therefore, it is not blowing. It is not the blowing of the wind, but the setting of the sails that will determine our direction in life. Correct. It's the attitude. Your attitude is everything. Your perspective, your mindset. If, if, I'm, if I'm playing basketball and I get fouled, right, they, they, they throw up a yellow card or whatever it may be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and whatever sport it may be, right? Um, whatever sport, right? Yeah, and whatever sport. And if I take that, like, oh, like I didn't deserve that. That was a bad call. And they play back the video and they see that I'm, still, I did it. You know, I deserved it, and, and I'm still fighting it. Like, why? Why am I still fighting that? Now I'm just, I'm creating negativity where it wasn't before. And now, how is that actually affecting me in that moment? How is it affecting me for the rest of that game? Exactly. I'm dwelling on something that I'm like, oh, I didn't deserve this. Right. In reality, if you would have just accepted the fact, you could have moved on quickly. You know what's crazy too is when you go play, and what we're talking about, when I mention basketball, like you said, any sport, we could be talking anything. Oh, yeah. When the game starts, you already know there's going to be calls that are yeah. unwarranted. So we have this information ahead of time. There are no surprises. Like guy calls a foul and, and you should say to yourself, well, I knew there were going to be bad calls and he just happened to call one on me. So let's move <laughs> forward. Yep. I mean, wh- what's the surprise? Where's the surprise factor? I don't get it. It happens in every game it's ever been played. Why? Because human beings referee a game, game played by human beings that moves at a real fast pace. Okay. Yep. And 14,000 people bought tickets, so they think they're experts and they yell at everything. It's just an <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting how we've developed that culture over time, you know, <laughs> Yeah. of just, the, you know, the, the fans are the ones who know. And <laughs> right. Right. even I feel the heat of that sometimes when I'm watching a game. I'm right. like, oh, come on. That doesn't oh, make I sense. Know. <laughs> I know. Um, but I, I love this actually, too. Another thing that you, you mentioned in your book, um, and I think. 
I can't remember exactly who you're talking to here. I think it's your mother. Um, and she was saying how God doesn't discriminate when it comes to handing out pain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then more so, further along in the quote, um, I, she says, son, you can knock every door in every town for the rest of your life and ask if adversity has, has touched their lives. And I yeah. think you know the answer, but if you're still curious, try it out sometime. Because who hasn't been hit by adversity? Right. I, because you're explaining this right now as in a game, we know it's going to happen. Yeah, we know. It's unavoidable. Same with life. Like mm-hmm. everyone should know by now, there are no surprises. Something crazy is going to happen to you at one yeah. point in your life, at multiple times in your life. And you'll have no, you'll have no ability to stop that. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and, so, and, and again, and again, that's why I just think it is so important that we understand that what we do with that, since we already know it's a fact of life, okay, we don't know when and we don't know the severity of it. We don't know what kind of diversity. But if, if we can gain the awareness of when it does hit, how am I going to deal with this? Because, because that's where my life changed. And that's the, that's the voice I want to have with people who are listening to this and other podcasts for people who um, have read about the book, for people who have, have, have read the book several times. Uh, and it's just that, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's a maturity. Mm-hmm. It's, it's knowing that, that really awesome things can come out of just the way we respond to what it was. And I'm telling you, there's things that have happened that I have no answer for. Yeah. And I re- have really had to work hard to be okay with not having the answers. That's one of the most painful things I've ever faced is with the wow. day I accepted the fact that I don't have an answer for my, my children's deaths. And because I, well, I'll tell you what, Caleb, I fought like crazy for years to find it. And I was just, just cutting myself apart. I mean, just really toxic, really just very deep stuff that just churned all the time. So I wanted to know. I wasn't supposed to know. I learned this. I wasn't supposed to know. I wasn't built that way. We're not built that way. Yeah. We, we you know, some things we have to accept. That we just are never going to know. Yes. On this side. Yes. And again, depending on how faith works into your life. But for me as a Christian, on this side of heaven, I have no answers for that. Yep. While you're, the the side, court, while you're in the heat of it. Yes, know. yes. But you talk about total confidence and total just solace and just, I mean, I'm emotional talking about knowing that one day, not only, this blows me away, not only will I be told and will I know, I will then understand why. Okay. That to me is so far-fetched, but I believe it to be true. It just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And you, you talk about something I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you're oh, looking man. forward to that day, I'm sure. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I really am. I, I love that, Ray. I love your, your passion, really. And, and the way that you, you, you have perceived now your adversity in life, I think it makes you the man you are. Um, and I feel like that's why people can learn from you. And I want to talk now a little bit about what we were alluding to earlier. Um, we wanted to come back to the idea of fair, yeah. this idea of I didn't deserve this. You know, what can you explain to our audience? Because I read it in your book and I love how you depict it. What 
is fair? What should fair be? Well, you know, uh, in, in my preparation for the book, I noticed myself writing about and using it. And I got to a point where I didn't want to use the term because I can't actually trace back to a time where someone told me, hey, there's this thing called fair and unfair. All right. If you don't like what happens to you, okay. And, and there's a, um, and, and I, I cite the, uh, I cite the musician in, in, in the book. Um, uh, I, I beg your pardon. Uh, we, I never promised you a rose garden. Okay. That's an old song from like <laughs> yeah. the fifties. Right. Okay. But that line right there says it all. Yeah. And, and, and if we really think about it, where were we granted fair and unfair? And so the, the quote that's in the book is, or, or it's written in the book that fair, or excuse me, yeah, fair, fair is what they, uh, is what you see at, at the, at the, uh, at the, at the counter. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, wait, here, I'm I got butchering this. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, really. Uh, and then, and then to go a few further musically, Kevin Kinney, who, who is a phenomenal singer songwriter and the founding member of driving and crying, who's wow. out playing right now actively and doing great. Um, I've been able to befriend, and I'm a huge music fan. It just thrills me to be able to meet these and, and meet, meet these artists. And when they're real, like Kevin Kenny is, it is a big time thrill. Well, in his songs, Scar- scarred, but smarter, uh, he talks exactly, and in, in, in some of the lyrics are in the book, about there is no fair. They should have told you when you were out there. Uh, it, it's, it's a really, really cool song with powerful lyrics. And I've actually talked to him personally about it. And, uh, wow. and then he found out that uh, I, I dedicated <laughs> Chapter 4. Chapter 4 <laughs> is called Car- Scarred But Smarter. Yep. You know, and, uh, and, and it's true. It, you know what it is? It's a crutch. It, it's, it, it's all it is. I mean, how many times, you know, and it could be a parent telling a kid, well, you know, that, that's not right. That, that's not fair. They, they shouldn't have done that. Well, we start using that as a crutch. Yep. And, um, you know, life isn't, there aren't crutches in life. You got to stand up. You got to walk forward. You, you got to stand your own ground, stand tall. And so I've never really believed in fair or unfair. I love that. Yeah. I, I guess a lot of that has evolved in time for me because the things that that we've had to deal with and the things that have happened um, to us in in our life, uh, I, the last thing I could have afforded to do was call it unfair and hang my hat on that. That doesn't do me any good. No, <laughs> you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, doing myself a huge disservice. Yes, and then every little thing that happens from there. That's unfair. And then, you know, and yeah. you know, you, you just heard people. Well, uh, well, I'll never, I, I, I love people when they, you know, I heard this the other night at a game, there was like some kind of raffle <laughs> at halftime. They, and this lady goes, Oh, my luck sucks. I, I I'll never get, I never get picked for stuff. You know, <laughs> just, just that idea of, you know, and it almost is like, I think you can, you, you can take that and apply it to uh, nothing good ever happens in my life. You know, everything, this is unfair. That was unfair. This didn't yeah. work out. I should have got this job. I, hey, you know what? So, so really what you and I are talking about is probably just a, a tool 
to be able to 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 really have a build into part of who we are to be able to handle the winds of life yes because some are cold some are warm some are biting those north winds um some will knock you off your feet uh some are untimely and just having that that center of saying deep breath there's no fair there's no one fair what can i best do with this in front of me Exactly. As soon as you have that misconception that there is fair and unfair in life, yes, you just start spiraling under out of control. Everything that negative that happens to you is because somewhere on the ether, someone's being partial toward you and yes. they want to destroy it. But that's not, that's not how it is. It's and the way you put it in your book, the way you put it in your book, I love it because life just happens. Yeah. There's no fair. There's no unfair. It's just happening. It and it's up to you yep. to make to grasp that and to do something with it. Yeah. Be positive with that. Make that something into something that's going to influence you for the rest of your life, motivate you. And even in those moments that hurt, that suck and you're 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 down for maybe a year or two, you're out of the court for a while, you know? Yeah. Even in those times, after the fact you're growing, you yeah. know? It's yeah. like what they say when the there's those um oh man, I'm trying to remember the exact type of tree but there's a tree out there somewhere in the world that is in a, an area where there's a lot of wind, you know, very high winds all the time. Okay. And you would think that a tree wouldn't be able to grow there because of the winds, it would push the tree over. But instead, it makes the tree stronger to have yes. that type of resistance. And the tree, in, in fact, starts leaning into the wind and starts growing towards the wind. And I think there's a huge lesson to be learned there that life, is throwing things at you, not so you think, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I, everything is unfair in life. If something wants to hurt me, but it's so you can get stronger, you yes. know, so you can mature. Yes. Yes, Anyways, absolutely. I, I just love that because I love your, your perception of fair. Like the really, where is that? <laughs> where, how are we taught this? You know? Right. <laughs> and right. then we go back to the whole, um, Fair is where they judge pigs, you know, <laughs> that's, that's exactly where it is. That's yep. where the word comes from. And we should probably just take fair and unfair out of our, out of our vocabulary. Out of I, our sure, I sure have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, Randy, can you um, talk to us a little bit? Because this is the other thing. I, 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 and I think maybe people don't understand yet. You were a head football coach, you know, at University of Iowa. Love it. You were living your dream, the holy grail of everything you loved. You had two daughters die on you. you you've been to prison. You've faced so many different types of adversity that, mm-hmm. some, that some people aren't ever going to face in their life. How did you have the guts to make that into an experience where you can, you can look back and say, I've grown from this? Wow, that's a... Um... That's a lot. Just just to hear you say that, I, I always kind of uh, take a step back when I hear someone yeah. repeat that because that's a <laughs> that's a lot. That's a mouthful there. So, in 1992, when our first daughter passed, there was I would say so much shock and just the un believability that something like that can happen that that kind of took me that that sort of owned me for a while and I couldn't really process much it took me a good 10 days just to go back to work 
I would say the second time, uh, it, it was much more of a, of a, had a negative, uh, uh, I felt a negative response because once it happened again, I remember wanting to take my own life or, or at least evaluating in my own mind whether I wanted to, because we had two other, we, we had two other girls. I'm like, do I want to go through this again? Now, that's selfish. If you can hear the selfishness in that, you know, I, yeah, I, I. And, and so that certainly is not the thing to do. But I would have, you know, I would have to tell you that that's something that I had to go through and, you know, personally think about. Um, I was in a place the second time where I didn't want to see a greeting card. I didn't want to think about it. It was so, so different when we lost Natalie. Just the thought of it happening again was just so heavy. And, and I was in a very difficult place. I remember pretty much shutting down um, communication with my wife. We were definitely just surviving and existing. We. Uh, I, and I didn't really, at the time, Caleb, even having gone through the, the second death of our children, know exactly what it meant, how to move forward, uh, and how to handle it. So it was a, it was kind of a long progression. I can't tell you that 48 hours later I had it all figured out in either case. And, if, and in fact, this one was bigger and deeper. Uh, just because of the gravity of it having happening yeah. a second time. So where, where I came to grips with it in a positive way, um, it, it was much further down. What I had to go through first was all the tough stuff. And all the tough stuff and the poor decisions and the ramifications led me to getting in a place where I could even remotely sit down and think about putting my thoughts and, and, and collect what I knew and had learned in, into onto a paper and, and create a book, come on podcasts and talk about it. So that, that was sort of the life cycle of it. The adversity hit um, and, and I really removed myself, which is not what you want to do. You want to speak. You want to, you, what you don't want to do is become silent. What you want to do is speak. What you don't want to do is stay within yourself. What you do want to do is share. Okay? What you don't want to do is make everybody think like, oh, what an amazingly strong man. He's, he's really handling this well and he's moving past this. Okay? No, because that, I, that's what I portrayed, but that wasn't the case. What you do want to do is what I just said. That's what yes. you, want you want to be out there. Okay. I did everything wrong. I really did. And, and what that, what that resulted in was just, just the, the, the toxic, um, uh, residue that was buried deep in me. Uh, and, uh, as I say in, in my book, and, and I, I read about, nuclear disasters and i read about how they tried to hide all that waste 
and thought that no one would ever see it again. Oof. Not nuclear waste. You, I don't care how f- far you bury it. Eventually, it's going to rise to the top, and it's going to smell. That's what happened. Okay, It came out of me in ways like tox- toxins come to the top, to the surface of wherever they buried it, and it smelled. And so um, I, I became very self-serving. I, I became um, you know, kind of a recluse. Um, uh, I had to get back on my feet, but it was going to be, it wasn't going to be for a while. Um, I began to access, um, alcohol and, and I'd always kind of been a drinker. And so that probably, that escalated. Uh, but the one thing I did that, that was my biggest downfall, uh, and, and, and the cause that the biggest, biggest ramification was I began to access pornography. I learned a lot about Pornography, and I, I will tell you that anything that you can do that is accessible, available, and you can do it in anonymity, along with the power of what it brings, is a horrible combination. Horrible, especially the anonymity, because there came there came power with that. Yeah, I, I and, and and my. My MO at the time, Caleb, was anything that soothes me, sign me up for that. I'm doing it without getting, you know, I've never got into drugs. That would have been like the worst decision ever, Um, even worse than than probably the decisions I made. But anything that I can, I mean, and and one of my vices, and I have told many, many a musician, many that I befriended, that music saved me. I'm a huge proponent of, of music just being one of the one of life's greatest cures. And man, I and I was always into music, always loved music, good shows, a whole deal. But it took music took on a completely different um, yeah. tone to me. It sounded different. I listened to the words differently, and it was my friend. Mm-hmm. Well, alcohol can be your friend. Pornography can be your friend. Think about pornography show, you can always put it down at the end of the night. And then it sits there and it's always there to, to make you feel better about yourself. Um, it's a soother, it's a comforter. Well, that was a bad, that was a bad choice uh, by me because, uh, you know, in the end, through being involved in chat rooms and uh, corresponding via email and, and things, I was out there and I left a, I left a footprint. And um, it wasn't but a, uh, but a case of somebody out of a chat room contacting the uh, Exploited Children's Hotline to say that I, I just had a really weird conversation with this guy and you, you better take a look. Yeah. And they started an investigation and over two years, it took two years until they, it actually came to fruition. And I didn't spend two years in, in medium security federal prison because of it. Um, wow. And it's not, a, I always say this, kind of tongue-in-cheek, it isn't anything I recommend. <laughs> although, although I learned 10 books worth when I was, when I was in, um, I don't recommend it. There's, there's better ways to. Yeah. Better ways. Well, and you know, it's amazing to me, well, like what you were talking about, what you need to do is not be silent. What you need to do is share. And you're in this process. You, you're sharing your story with thousands of people 
who yeah. who need to hear that you are Absolutely. an inspiring, motivating man. You really are. I mean, questions too. This man right now, after all of this he's been through, currently he's a mentor for coaches. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, you've just come full, full circle and probably even better now because you're helping people who are in a similar situation as you were. Right. Um, and now you're, you have this book and you're trying to be a good influence toward other people. I, I love, I truly love your story, Randy. I, I, I seriously do. And I've been learning so much here with you on the podcast. Oh, thanks so much. I would yeah. love to ask you just one last question. Sure. Um, this is the question I, I truly enjoy asking people. Um, but if, if you had the chance to, to speak to everyone in the world at one time, to give one line of advice that you've learned in your life that's truly been meaningful for you, what would that line be? There's so many of them. Mm -hmm. One of them just came rushing to me. So, so it comes from my mother. I remember she asked when I was in about fifth grade, who, who were the kids that I hung out with like at school? And, well, how well do you know them? Do they ever do things that they shouldn't do? She planted that seed. And then this happened that I, as I got older and got into high school, this happened on its own that, that I adopted a band of brothers. I mean, I, we had a group of guys who were all really good guys that made good decisions, and we hung out together. And, and I will... Um, man, I'll sing their praises forever to a lot of people because what happened between being in fifth grade and in high school, my mom telling me to remember very clearly, be careful who you become friends with. Be careful who you spend your time with because some of those people just might become friends for life. And so I'm... I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that this band of brothers is intact wow. from junior high and high school days. All right. The, these, these guys have been my bedrock. They have been there to tell me what I didn't want to hear. They have been there um, to, to lift me up. They have, uh, they have absolutely been there to help me realize that, that every day is worth living and no matter what I'm going through. I have thought a thousand and one times, what do people do without that in their life? How do you do that? And I typically pose this question on the heels of just how much I know it's important to have people in your life who are there for the right reasons. I say this. And, and, and usually in, in crowds of young people, I say, sometime in your life, something's going to happen and it's going to be a quarter to three a.m. And you absolutely have to have immediate help. Who are you going to call? That can be a sobering. And I do that in big crowds. I do that in small crowds. I've seen people tear up in seconds being posed that question because there isn't anybody. Or people tear up because there there are people. And what my mom told me, I think would be the one thing that, that I would share because it is so unbelievably a 
much a gift of life to have people in your life that care so much about you that they're not going to agree with everything you say, but they would do anything, anything to be there for you when you needed, when you needed to be lifted up. And I'm not talking one or two people. Um, and it's documented in the book. I think there were 22 of us um, from my town that ended up going to the University of Iowa at the same time. That's amazing. But but this band of brothers that I talk about is it's a group of about 10 of us that right now are just we're, we're just just totally into life for for each other. And of course, now we have parents passing. Yeah. We have all types of life situations that have happened certainly including mine and then many others from my other guys. And you can count on the fact that we're all going to be there for each other. And if there is a greater gift other than, I, I guess, being a Christian and, and knowing where you're headed and who you belong to, I don't know what that gift might be. To me, yeah. that, that's like the second best gift ever that a person could ever have in their life. And I got that from my mom. So any younger a uh, younger generation listening to this, listen to your mom. Okay? Yes. <laughs> listen to your mom. <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> I'm glad I, I did. <laughs> this is perfect. I think we're going to end on that note because that's just the best way to end it on, honestly. Um, thank you so much, Randy, for being a part of, of this episode today. This Thank you for having me. 